Welcome to Love Your Family Again and Again and Again and Again, the podcast where we focus on parenting with love and clarity. I'm Dr. Marcy, a family culture expert who for over 20 years has been helping parents to create happy and strong families. Hello, Cam. Welcome to Love Your Family Again and Again and Again and Again. I am so excited to have you on my podcast today because for you as a listener, you don't know that Cam and I have worked together many, many, many times in his neck of the woods because he is one of the amazing, fabulous people at Kunik, which brings speakers into organizations to help make organizations run better. And I've come in to talk about mental health and parenting many times. But today... On the podcast is the first time you are in my playground talking about parenting, except for all those casual conversations we've always had about your family because that's just fun. So I'm delighted to have you here. Welcome, welcome. Thanks, Marcy. I'm so excited to be here because I love to get the opportunity to work with Marcy again and again and again and again. And so it's really nice to be able to, uh, as Marcy said, to flip the script and uh, and join up here and. Um, Super excited to to talk a little bit more about my family um, and uh, and take it beyond the as you said the informal conversations we always have around the work we do together at Kunik either uh, both for families um, within organizations and and across their organizations other larger issues um, that they have so really appreciate you taking the time to have me on yes so who's in your family. So uh, we, I am a, uh, I'm a heterosexual cisgendered male. Um, I am married to a heterosexual cisgendered woman. Um, we are both white in full transparency, and we have uh, three children. We have a nine-year-old daughter whose name is Lucy. We have a seven-year-old daughter whose name is Marlo, and we have a four-year-old son who is Teddy. And they're all, they're all very much. Uh, befitting their names. So if you close your eyes and you think of a Lucy and how is this Lucy going to act, that is very much who Lucy is. And Teddy especially uh, is the one who, um, our daughters basically picked out his name more than we did. And he came out and has been the most Teddy who ever Teddied. Um, So he's he's a four-year-old who still has like Linus habits from like, you know, Snoopy and peanuts and stuff like that and goes around and is kind of a physical manifestation of a human teddy bear half the time. So he's, he's a funny kid. That is such a good magic trick. I love that the name has embodied your kids. Cause then we'll, we'll know. Yep. Yep. Okay. But we have to be flexible. Cause one day they might change that. Oh, they definitely will. I'm sure. But okay. that's okay. That's right. It'll always have its legacy within our little kind of like familial memories. Yes. I also love that your youngest is the cuddly one because there's mm-hmm. something really delightful about that personification of the youngest being the cuddly one. He's also the sleepy one. Um, our, our, our daughters were not good sleepers and this kid will go to bed at 830 and sleep till nine in the morning. He's like a teenager. And like, we to get him out of bed sometimes we will go and we'll have to open up the blinds and he'll just take his covers and pull it over his head and get mad at you for trying to get him out he gets he really does not want to wake up until he's ready to wake up so he's that's going to be a challenge um as he gets older but uh for now it's great 
because that's one that you don't have to worry about. You're like, oh, wow, he's not going to get woken up, particularly as our, as our other two are now old enough to kind of take care of themselves a little bit in the morning when they wake up. So, Well, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. Then you, you get to sleep in. That's it. That's it. You don't have to wake up at 530 anymore, which is really nice. Makes life I, a lot better. I am really excited for you for that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Me too. So what is your family's go-to glitter? When the five of you are together, that one thing that you're like, we're going to have a good time and we're going to blank. So we live by the ocean. We live in Massachusetts. And um, so we're in, when the weather is good, we're a good beach family. Uh, We like to go to the beach, whether it's in our town, nearby town. We also spend a lot of time at my uh, in-laws have have a beautiful place on the North Fork of Long Island. Um, and so we spend time in the beach out there. So that's, I'd say like, that's kind of the activity if we get to do something like that. Um, but you know, in a more micro sense, one of the things that we try to do, you know, it's really hard in modern life, um, particularly with, as people start going back into offices and things like that. And my wife's job, she does go into the office three or four days a week now. Um, but whenever we can have a quote unquote family dinner, that everybody's there and that either uh, their mother or I cook dinner and we have everybody sit around together. That's a really big thing for our, particularly for our older kids, but all three of them, because then we get to sit around together and go around and ask the kind of questions and the routines that we always do. Um, so that's, that's like, I think the other thing that just on a, on a smaller basis means a lot to us. I love that. I also love that you have routines around family dinner. We do. Yeah, we do have routine. It's, it's a, it's a very structured thing. And the, the kids would be very upset if we didn't adhere to them, I think. Mm. So maybe we're going to talk about some flexibility within our routines because that's always important. That would be, but before we go there, I want to know how often do you end up having family dinner? You know, we really try and do it at least a couple times a week. Um, which is really good. I mean, always on Sundays, uh, barring unless we're traveling. Um, and then usually one other night a week, sometimes it ends up being taco night. Kids are, are, our kids are actually all into tacos, which is really handy. Um, because I, if you're an adult and you're not into tacos, like what's wrong with you? I don't know what happened. Um, what, what, what did a taco ever do to you? So, um, and there's so much variability that you can make with a taco. Exactly. We can have them vegetarian. We can have them non-vegetarian. We can have them spicy, not spicy. That's right. Lots of opportunities. Dragons love them. There's nothing not to, there's nothing not to love about tacos. Um, so anyway, so our, our kids do like tacos a lot. So sometimes taco Tuesday ends up also being like a de facto dinner night. Um, even if, even if, uh, their mother or I are, are out or traveling or something like that. Whoever else is, is there, um, we'll make sure that we kind of sit down around that. Um, and, you know, thus far activities tend to work out around that. So I'd say like, yeah, those are probably the two most common days, but we can, we also do it on a Saturday night sometimes, particularly in the winter, you know, when, depending on what's going on with the rest of life, you know, we'll do it as much as we can. I love that. I love that you have a summer out of the house, full day, I picture going to the beach as a full day activity, but also this year round touchstone that has a routine built into it. And I love that it happens weekly, right? The fact that, you know, Sunday night, your kids can know this is going to happen. 
that predictability is phenomenal. It's it's also funny because there's it to use as you said, there's all the routines around it that they start to clue into too, and they start to either appreciate or uh or disprove of as they get older and they have their own opinions. Um so my wife tends to listen to French music when she cooks. And um she has a playlist that she'll play. And we were out at my in-law's place and my father-in-law has uh playlists that are playing and at one point a French song came on. And our oldest daughter, the nine-year-old, said, "Ugh, mom always listens to this music when she's cooking and starts complaining. And then her seven-year-old came on and she said, oh, I love it when mom listens to this music because it means she's cooking and it means we're going to get, and I can go help cook and we can like have family dinner. And like the two polar responses to it was just kind of funny, but they both immediately, you know, um, they immediately responded to that impetus as being like, oh, Yes, we know what this is. This means that somebody's cooking dinner, yeah, uh, because that's what's happening. Because it's, it's like, so oh, because mom probably has a glass of wine and she's probably cooking dinner. That's what's going on right now. So, and the thing that's lovely about that, whether they love it in this moment or not, right? Because you had both of those show up, is that ten years from now, and twenty years from now, and fifty years from now, when they hear French music, they will think of their mom cooking in the kitchen. They will think of family dinner and those types of visceral memories that just kind of flood in when there's that trigger are so delicious when we're adults. And so unknowingly, you have created this amazing way for them to drop into a feeling of home and family. Yeah, well, that's it's, it's a really nice way to put it. It's a nice way to think about it. I, I, I wish it was that intentional. Maybe it was, but, uh, but it's, it's kind of worked out that way, which is really nice. And look, and the fact that it's that it's connected to Edith Piaf is like that's great. <laughs> like, like it should be somebody like that, which is nice. So, uh, so that's it's a fun thing that's kind of happened. Yes, and so many of the good parenting moments are unintentional, just like so many of the challenging parent moments are also unintentional. Which is why we have conversations like this to bring the intention to. And the awareness to the good moments so we can keep doing them intentionally and awareness to the not so great moments so that we can learn and attempt to do that differently because the truth is we're human and we won't, even once we know something, we won't always do it. So let's chat about some of the challenging stuff in your family. What have you been thinking about that you wanted to talk about today? Yeah. So we, um, like all families, we have have plenty of challenges with, with everybody, um, in different, different places. Um, but I think the, one of the ones that's really prevalent in our little family's life right now, um, has been separation anxiety that's happened really, um, post COVID. So, you know, I, like everybody during the midst of COVID, we were all together all the time. And it happened when our oldest was in kindergarten, yeah, you know, our oldest was sent home from kindergarten. Our uh, now seven-year-old was in preschool and got sent home. And obviously our little guy was was too little to even recognize what was going on or have any concept of, of any difference. So he's the one in that sense where I think it's that, that impact has probably been uh, least direct, although you never know. Um, and uh, the two girls, you know, at the time I think did really well adapting and everything else, but when you think about from a macro perspective, the impact that it had where 
they're they're just learning how to socialize they're making these social bonds with friends and like understanding how um how to be in school with other kids how to learn together all of these kind of social cues and then right in the middle of it they're like it's ripped away from them and then essentially for the next 18 months they're told you can't be around anybody you can't get too close to anybody else except the members of your nuclear family right just them even like grandparents like you don't want to hug them for the first 24 hours or whatever until after you get tested and all this kind of, it was a, it was a lot um so i think you know as a result of that now as things kind of get back to normal and, and as everybody normalizes to whatever your level of comfort is um both of our well, all three of our kids, but particularly our oldest, our nine-year-old, has really struggled whenever her mother or myself are away. And they struggle when we go out for like a, to a date night, um, anything like that. But particularly if one of us is not sleeping at home. So when I travel for work, or if my wife travels for work, there's a lot of anxiety that gets wrapped up there, and then they have a hard time sleeping, and they worry about it for like days ahead of time when they know it's coming. Um, there's like a whole kind of like doom clock progression that leads up to it. Um, so that's been like a real challenge for us. And I think the, the bigger concern is that now that has started to spread um, where those concerns and that the, those feelings of anxiety, uh, at least for the nine-year-old, have also now manifested in terms of fears about getting the stomach bug. So every night she's worried, that, oh, am I starting to get sick? Am I going to get sick again? Because she did do fair, have one really bad case of the stomach bug in the winter. Um, and, and other like, you know, a, a other points of anxiety that she now has like created a, an almost like an hourly routine at night where every night she gets worried. And she's neither worried about, you know, she's first worried about her stomach and then she's worried that she's not going to be able to sleep because either one of us isn't there or one of us isn't going to be there relatively soon. So it's there's a there's a lot. It's a big ball of wax that it's turned into for her. Um, so you know we're trying to do things to help her, uh, and um, you know we're getting her help. But um, you know I think coming up with like strategies and ways to address that um, would be really helpful for us because. Uh, you know, we try and talk about it with her and we try and uh, we try and introduce reason into the conversation as much as you can. But it's hard with nine-year-old because they're not always the most receptive to uh, those kind of concepts. It's not logical for her. It's not. She, you can see the big picture and kind of where it came from and how it grows, but she can't feel that. So... I have lots of thoughts and ideas, but I just want to ask one thing in order to highlight it. You said we're getting her help. Does that mean that she is seeing a therapist? She is getting support from a professional? And I just, I want to highlight that as, yay, Cam, that that you guys took that step and are getting her support. And to, to you who is listening, I also just want to remind you that when things are really big, you need to ask for help from whoever the right professionals are, because you as a parent know so much about who your kids are and how to support them, but you don't know everything. And having that 
outside support allows them also to be able to learn things and understand themselves in a way that you don't know how to put in place. I totally. And I think um, I can say already, I mean, she's only been seeing this therapist for a a short period of time, but um, it's definitely already started to have an impact in the sense that, I I mean, she knows that at least she has somebody else she can talk to um, besides the two of us. And she already has some things that she's doing. She's starting to do some journaling and things like that, which is, which is really good. And I think is really helpful for her because she's, she's a very smart child. Um, and it's good for her to get some of these ideas out of her head and on the paper sometimes. Um, because otherwise, like a lot of us, they can tend to accumulate and lead to catastrophization. Um, I or however you want to pronounce it, where she does have a tendency to catastrophize sometimes um, in, you know, when over, over a, you know, a number of different things that are kind of accumulating. So, yes. So I love that she's actually getting concrete tools and using them because as a behaviorist at heart, that to me is how you change anxiety. We have to do something with that feeling, not just talk about it. And that's how it, changes. Because when we start getting it out of our head and out of our body and somewhere else, then you can start to think about it and move it and stop it. But when it's just swirling in the chaos of our own mind, we can't go anywhere with it. So I love that you have her with somebody who is giving tools. I am hoping this is someone who's also talking with you. It's part of why I love working with kids because the kids need help, the parents need help. And when you put it all together, everything becomes possible. Because you haven't said anything that makes me think anything other than everything is possible here. She wants the help. She wants the tools. You want it. So so let's get into some tools of, of what's possible. The very first thing that you started talking about was that her her fear of when you or mom aren't home, whether that's a date night, whether that's a business trip, but if you're not in the house, the anxiety starts going. So it makes me wonder, how do you communicate with her? A, that you're leaving, B, what you're doing, and C, which may be the most important, when you're coming back? Great question. Um, We've actually tried this a few different ways. Um, Traditionally, we were very transparent about telling her far in advance and saying, listen, just so you know, mom or dad is traveling next week. They're going to be away for three days. They're going to come back. Um, you know, the other parent is going to, you know, mom or dad is going to be here the whole time. You're going to be fine. Um, and, uh, we did notice that that tended to start a clock for her where she would already start being worried as soon as she knew it was coming. So, um, we then reverted to not telling her far in advance and waiting until almost the last moment and then saying, Hey, by the way, tomorrow mom's going to be gone for two days or, you know, we're both going to be gone for two days on this trip, whatever it is. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't know if that was better or worse. I think it was obviously better before she knew about it, but then it may have made the actual impact of when we left worse or, or, you know, that like that day or two before when she had just found out worse because then she was really worried about it. Um, so we've tried that both ways. I will say, I think we're always very transparent about saying, here's where we're going. Here's where we're going to be back. Um, you know, we have to go to an event tonight at where we're at. Um, 
And, you know, we were very transparent in saying like, hey, look, this is who's watching you. You know her. She's like kind of an, an adjunct member of the family already in a certain sense. So like you're very comfortable with her. We're not going to be back early. We probably won't be back till midnight or whatever it is, um, you know, which is also helpful because that that kills off the op- her thinking like, oh, maybe I can just stay up until they make it home. <laughs> Which is the other thing that happens when you're when you're just going out on a date night or something like that. It's like, oh, I can last till ten thirty, and she can last till ten thirty. So, um, like those those kind of factors too. So we're very transparent about the communication on that side. It's really just been the timing that we've gone back and forth on with her. So here's what I think. I think that the only time you have these communications with her are when you're leaving. What would it be like if you had that communication with her on a regular basis? Now, maybe daily is too too frequent, but maybe on your Sunday night family dinner night, you say, hey, this is what the week looks like. Monday, we're all here as a family. Tuesday, we're all here as a family. Wednesday, guess what? We're all here as a family. Thursday, we're all here as a family. Friday, mom and dad have date night, but we're all sleeping in the house together. So that there is communication and routine around us staying which gives you a a place to land when you say, Monday, we're all here. Tuesday, we're all here. Wednesday morning, dad's leaving for a trip. So he won't be here Wednesday night. Mom will be here Wednesday night. Thursday, mom and kids will be here Wednesday night. Friday, dad returns in the morning and everyone sleeps at home Friday night. So that it fits into a habit that you've created for good news and for news that kind of kicks off her anxiety. Smart. I like it. I think, uh, look, she is a very routine oriented child. So uh, unsurprisingly. Um, so like that's, that probably would be an effective place to start. And so, and then you can also play with how often do you have, does she want a daily conversation about who's sleeping in the house that night and what's happening for the next seven days? You know, so Monday, you talk Monday to Monday, Tuesday, you talk Tuesday to Tuesday. Is it a shorter window? You're going to have to play with that as you put this in place. But I would pair that also with a visual calendar so that she can, you know, if she forgets, she doesn't have to spin in her own, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's happening? Who's leaving? When are they coming? I can just go look at the calendar and see. Well, there's great news there because we do have a whiteboard calendar in our kitchen. And in fact, not only do we have the whiteboard calendar, she has become the one who actually fills it out herself where she fills out which camp every kid is going to during the week and like puts in every day and like, Oh, this is the day we're going out to Long Island. This is the day we're doing this. So. So part of me loves that she fills it out. And part of me wonders if you or your wife did that, if she would feel safer because she feels like she has to manage all of this information. She has to make sure we all know where everybody is and that creates is it's a way that I can manage my anxiety because then we know where everyone is. And if I don't do it, you're all going to forget. Yep. Whereas if you or your wife did it, then she might be like, oh, they they got that. I can breathe. It's funny. That's why she took it over because she was mad that we weren't updating it quickly enough. So and and which which she wasn't wrong about, by the way. I mean, she was right. Like we we would get to the start of the month and we'd already be on day two of the month that she'd be like, why isn't the calendar updated? We're already on. It's already August 2nd, dad, like get with the program, like that kind of thing. And she, you know, she figured out how to chart in the days and like switch the days or whatever. So we were like, all right, fine. Like if you want to do it, 
uh, go for it. But I, but I see your point in that I think it, you, you're probably right. It would probably make her feel more comfortable if somebody else was actually putting it all down there for her. Yes. And because she's a routine kid, do it as a family event. Like she can be part of it, but maybe it's, you know, I'm putting a lot on your Sunday dinner. So maybe it's like a Friday night activity, but the last Friday of every month, we clear the calendar, we start it for the new month, even if it, the new month starts in the middle of the week so that she knows when it's going to happen and you know when it's going to happen. So you have to make it, you have to get it done because it's in a routine so that it doesn't just become something that you're like, oh yeah, maybe on the first I'll get there. Maybe on the 30th I'll get there. I don't, I don't know because you're not as worried about it, but if you're in charge of it and hold it, that will help ease some of her anxiety. All right, give that a try. See how that goes. I think that that because the 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 whole big picture here, right, is that everyone was always home. So no one needed a calendar because you were just always there. And now as you're starting to leave, you're seeing her anxiety. So how do you make sure she has all of the information of where everybody is? And the more you can give that to her, the less she has to hold it really tight. We go with that. Okay, good. I like that too then. So we're going to try that. Now let's talk about bedtime because you said she's starting like an hour bedtime routine that is kind of hopping from one fear to the next is what it sounds like. Oh my gosh, is yeah. this going to happen? Right. And it, it it may not be like exactly an hour, but it is like she'll, she'll come between 30 minutes and an hour before her bedtime. I mean, sometimes it's as early as like right after dinner, but or right about around dinner, um, depending on how worried she is. But she'll come up and she'll say like, you know, Dad, my I'm, my stomach's starting to hurt, or I think like I'm, you know, I, I'm 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 afraid that I'm, you know, that my stomach's going to hurt. Either it either it either is my stomach starting to hurt, or I'm afraid my stomach is going to hurt. You know, it's like that kind of projection already. Um, and any of us that have had anxiety know we can give ourselves a stomach ache a by doing that. So the hard thing with kids is, is it actually a physical illness that is happening, like she actually has the flu or a stomach bug, or is it her anxiety creating a pit in her stomach? And both have to be treated in the same way because we, any of us who have created our own symptoms, I will be the first one to raise my hand and say, I know I have taken moments of anxiety and fear and turned it into a stomach ache, turned it into a migraine. If you told me that in the moment, I'd knock you out. Like, no, what are you, I am sick. Treat me like I'm sick. You know, so you can't, in that moment, it's not about talking to her about that. But it is about creating a, a plan for those moments where she can feel taken care of regardless. So, because we know she's a routine girl, because we know kind of what she's looking for. My guess is that some of that is the connection, right? She's coming and talking to her parents who she has missed all day because now she's in school in person and you're in work. Sometimes mom's in work in person. Sometimes dad's just behind the door or traveling for work. It's a way to build connection. So what if, and maybe this is in conjunction with her current therapist, or maybe we come up with some plans, but could we make a routine at night that is... 30 minutes of connection, that is 15 minutes of connection, using some of the positive tools 
to think about our day, to think about why and how we're safe, to remember that there is good in our lives and all is well. So that instead of I get tonight, I'm scared, I don't know who's going to be here. I I just life is feels out of control and chaotic. I'm going to pull up things to build connection. What if you said we're every night we're going to sit down. We're going to journal together and then share something from our journaling. We're going to talk about three great things that happened today. We're going to share our best case scenario for our day tomorrow of what might happen. And if one of you is traveling, then you do it over FaceTime. If FaceTime's not an option because the way you're traveling and the scheduling doesn't work, you're going to send a voice note and she's going to send you a voice note so that there's consistency in that, whether or not you're traveling. Now, here's the one little parent hack around the travel. If you are traveling in a way that you cannot do a voice memo reliably every night, you are going to record it before you leave. You're going to make up what your daily wins are, what was great about your day, and you're going to you're gone for 3 days, you're going to record 3 before you go, you're going to text them to to the other person, and then they're going to have them. So that she can have that consistent reliable touchstone routine because it doesn't matter as much of like I had a great salad for lunch versus you your voice being heard by her in that moment. So that's the that's the loop around it. But how does that as a concept of the nighttime connection routine? I think I think look, I think that's great because also it's it's an activity that will keep her mind away from spiraling. Um, which is two thirds of the battle with her, I think, is keeping her mind focused positively. I mean the good news is that um, we have gotten her to recognize like, oh, this is probably this is probably me being worried and this is not actually me being sick and like recognizing some of those things most of the time. Um, right. At least in the summer, it's easier in the summer because there's not as much stomach flu in the summer, obviously. So that she can recognize that like, I don't actually know anybody who has the stomach bug. I don't know how it would just show up with me. So she's, she's rational enough to see that. But, um, but I do love the idea of turning that and making it more positive um, and getting her to think about positive things and safe things and uh and all the different things to your point that like she can take away from her day because also you know whenever we whenever we go through and we recount all those different issues it tends to make us feel better too or or make us feel more tired as well so it'll help us get ready for actually sleeping which is the other part which is good so yeah i love all of that and that the fact that she can go through the logic is awesome, right? Like, I don't know anybody who's sick, so I probably am not actually sick. The other thing it makes me wonder in her connection with her body is, does she ever do a check-in and go, oh, I feel good? Because just like all of these other patterns, we tend to communicate when things are bad, but not when things are good. So maybe it's before every meal or at the end of every meal, you you all stop and you like put your hands on your belly and you go, oh, my belly feels really full and satisfied. Cool. Or like, I need some water. Or I just feel good. Like my body feels good right now. So that she can start building awareness of what does good feel like? Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I think that's a really good idea. Um, And because to your point, right, very much negatively, the impetus is almost always negative in the reflection there. So being able to flip that and get her to recognize whatever there's positive things to reflect on, I think is a, is a really strong place to work from. Yeah. 
And because you have younger ones, you can also make it silly like, oh, wait, do you have a little pocket over there on the right side of your stomach? I think that's the cookie pocket. We better give you a cookie for dessert, right? Or, you know, oh, yeah, that's the chocolate milk pocket. You need a little bit more of that. Okay, got it. So that she starts coding goodness with also like joy and silliness and ridiculousness. Because, you know, at nine, she's getting sophisticated. But none of us are too sophisticated. That's right. No, no. Nobody should be sophisticated ever. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I know I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. And that's, that's, a, that's a smart idea. I like it a lot. Awesome. Which is going to bring me to my last thought for you. And then we'll see if you have any, any thoughts for me before we start to wrap up of one of the kind of calming techniques that you hear a lot about in the mindfulness space is a body scan. And so this might be something that her therapist has already talked to her about, or I'm guessing you already know what it is, but just in case you listening haven't heard of it, it's when you go from the top of your head to the tip of your toes or from the tip of your toes to the top of your head, and you just feel each part of your body internally. Like, so you put your attention on your feet. How are they feeling? And then your ankles. How are your legs? Can you relax them a little bit more? And do you feel the fabric of your pants against your knees and you just slowly go up your body. Now this can be a 45 second experience. This can be a 45 minute experience. You can just do it yourself. I do, I do it a lot on the subway just cause there's not much else to do. And I'm like, Oh, I should work on how my body feels right now. Um, but a lot of people will do it before bed cause it helps their body relax, but it brings awareness of like, wow, most of my body feels good. You can also, there are a ton of them in any meditation app or on YouTube, like you can find them anywhere. But I wonder if that might be a tool that will help her start feeling her body in a different way, relaxing her before bed, a thing that she can do when her mind is spinning. Cause it also, we can't feel our body from an hour ago. We can only feel our body right now. And it helps us be in the present moment because one of the big things about anxiety is that it is a future pacing experience. I'm scared about something that is going to happen usually that never does. So the body scan forces her to feel what's happening in her body in this moment. So the, am I getting sick? Well, I don't know. But right now, am I sick? No, like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I can feel my body right now and I'm good. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. And, and particularly the getting, again, getting her to be in the moment. Um, and recognize how she's feeling on a, in a larger bodily sense beyond just her stomach, whether it's a stomach ache, beyond these other things that will make her recognize a little bit more about, oh, okay, like this is, uh, yeah, and, and we'll lean back into the, oh, I'm in a safe place. I'm in a place that I know. Whether it's most of the time her bed or if she's at her grandparents' house, her bed at her grandparents' house, all those kind of things, places she knows. Okay. I know I said that was my last thing, but I have one more thing, given what you just said, is that perhaps a really great question to ask her at, at any moment that she's kind of getting really activated is to say, what's happening right now? Like if you tell her that you're traveling in five days and she's like, but dad, you're leaving. And you're like, but what's happening right now? We're sitting on the couch. We're about to watch a movie. I'm right here. You can hold my hand. Where are you? Where's mom? Like in this moment, we are all safe in this. Like, can you feel the couch? Can you feel the, the carpet below your feet? What's happening right now? 
So rather than when she's like, but you're leaving, and you're like, yes, I am. And here are all the details. Sometimes that might be appropriate, but it might be really helpful to just start responding with what I, I, I hear you, but what's happening right now? Because she's in all sorts of different spaces that isn't this moment. So that might become a really great family question. Yeah. All right. Any final, final thoughts, final questions from you? No, you know, my big takeaway here is uh, just to lean into um, like daily radical transparency with her in the sense of like, and, and with all, with all of our kids, frankly, because it doesn't hurt with any of them, but particularly with both of our two girls, because they're the two that, that get worried about these things and fight about it um, or fight through it. And so I think really trying to increase the amount that we're actually talking about it and that we're working through uh, and create, and you know, rather than trying to break against routines, creating more routines for it, and, and uh, leaning into that factor will be really helpful. Um, and hopefully, routines that, uh, to your point, make her recognize and live in the moment. Um, because, like, that's that's the real solution here. Is to your point uh, about anxiety is getting her out of the future tense and the future state that she's worried about. And getting her to recognize that, I mean, she's a very capable child. Whenever she can focus on what's happening in the moment, she does great. And she doesn't worry about anything else. And she thrives. So it's it's really like getting her to, to refocus in on that and appreciate that. And I think it would be really helpful for her. I'm super excited about this because that is an amazing golden nugget to take away. Like that one thing that you're going to make sure to remember I didn't ask. You just started answering because you're fabulous like that. So yes, the the and I love that you called it daily radical transparency. I think that's really true. And the thing for you to remember is the leaning into routines is just for now. As in, this is going to help her get through this moment in time. And if it's not your natural habit, it will either become your natural habit because you'll see how it helps your whole family. Or once she's through the anxiety, she won't need as many routines because life will feel more controlled in general. So it's not a, I have to do this forever and ever and ever. It's a for now because it's what she's needed. And that will change in six months and in a year and from there. Right. But amazing daily radical transparency, amazing golden nugget. Yes, 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 yes. So thank you, Cam, for being here. Thank you for sharing so openly about your family. I am really excited, especially because your willingness to say like, oh yeah, I think that would help. Oh yeah, I think that'll work. That I know that within this one golden nugget, you are gonna take so many other pieces. So go have fun with your kids and thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Marcy. I No, I, I really appreciate you having me on again and I appreciate all the advice. Um, and there's definitely a bunch of these strategies we're gonna try and work with her on right away. And, um, and we'll see how it goes. We'll report back. Please do. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. And thank you for, thank listening. for listening. I know I- your time is precious and limited. I'm grateful that you shared it with us today. What's your one takeaway? Just one small step can make a big difference. Make sure you know when new episodes come out by subscribing here and joining my mailing list at drmarcy.com backslash 
podcast. Do you want to be a guest on a future episode of Love Your Family again and again and again and again? Then go to drmarcy.com backslash podcast guest and let me know. Finally, do you need individualized help for your family? Then go to drmarcy.com backslash contact and connect with my team to learn how we can help you. Remember, blue skies are ahead and we're going to get there together.